Welcome to this week's Henchman of Comics. I'm Alex Eschback. And I'm unprepared. I mean, my name is Matt Golden. And as usual, Matt is his normal classic self. He actually didn't even see what we're talking about this week, but this mm-hmm. week we're talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh, I watched the first Ant-Man, so I'll just pretend like I know what we're talking about. I'll just review the first one while you review the second one. I think you think you saw the first Ant-Man, but it was <laughs> actually a nature documentary on the Discovery <laughs> Channel. Uh, I watched, It was Ant Bully. Is that the same thing? <laughs> That's exactly it, actually. Got it. Awesome. Cool. Let's roll. So, I don't know how you feel, but I thought, I thought the first Ant-Man film was perhaps like the second most underrated Marvel film in the entire canon. Uh, it had that right blend of humor and it being a heist, almost something different that we hadn't seen before in Marvel Universe. Uh, and I thought it, and even as its initial box of performance was, st- was still good, uh, underperformed compared to the other Marvel films. So I thought it was fantastic. I was honestly a little underwhelmed by it because I just watched a whole – this is back before I had really watched every single one when they yeah. were coming out before we were really doing the show. Uh, so I just kind of watched a bunch of You're like, I'll ones. see that Paul Rudd movie. Yeah. The, <laughs> I love Paul Rudd. He's great. He's such a hunk and so cute. Such a sweet guy. Uh, but I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. Like, I thought it was good. So, I mean, in retrospect now, I'm like, man, I really want to watch rewatch Ant-Man. Um, especially after this one, because I, I really thoroughly enjoyed this film. Well, I mean, that's always good to hear. I mean, it's Marvel suddenly again to where another one of their films has opened up at number one in the box office, like every single one of their films, which is what, like 14 films now, which yeah. is an absolute incredible streak. Like that's an absurd streak for, yeah. for one franchise. Now I've got problems with the film. I'll get into that later. Uh, did you like everything or is there anything that you would change about it? Yeah. I mean, I like pretty much everything. I, I really like that Marvel plan to have a film that was lighter in time, even though there's very some Alex, serious elements. Shut your mouth. We're uh, spoilers, guys. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, continue. I like film that was lighter in tone uh, after what we got from Infinity War. It was nice. It was a welcome change of tone from just the sadness and depression with how that film ended. Yeah, that movie just beat you to death with sadness. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was beautiful and it was grand, and it comes out on Blu ray and DVD in like a month, and I can't wait. Because I'm going to just sit at home, turn the lights out, drink quietly and cry and watch Infinity War. Yeah, it's the first time that I really wish that I kind of had a 4K TV. Yeah, oh my Uh, god, yes. Um, I I hate 3D, but if it's on 3D, I would love to watch this movie in 3D. I just want to see it in every kind of way. Can we just talk about Infinity War (laughs) instead of Ant-Man? So... What do you think of the opening of this film? Because it's kind of a rehash, actually, of the first Ant-Man. Or not not the first Ant-Man, but a rehash of how that film ended. Because we got to see Michael Douglas uh, dismantling the bomb uh, as the original Ant-Man, Hank Pym, with his wife, Janet, which we saw in the first Ant-Man. Was that how it opened? I thought it opened with him and his daughter. No, you're right. It did open with him. Digitally altered Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh I thought it was cool. I mean, it, it got a little bit of a uh, background. It let us kind of know, hey, Michelle Pfeiffer's going to be in this fl- flick, guys. Just uh, hold on long enough. She'll be there. Yeah. Uh, I was kind of, I had a McTilling about it. I wasn't, I'm never huge with like callbacks, but I understand that it's not the biggest Marvel film. So they meant, it might have been necessary for people to understand the story and just to give a chance to reintroduce Michelle Pfeiffer, who was basically, not, Janet, who was basically non existent in the first film. 
Was she in the first movie? Janet Van Dyne, the character, was in the first film. I don't know if it was Michelle if Pfeiffer <laughs> playing or Let's not. Let's hope Michelle not? Pfeiffer had a three-second role in the first Ant-Man yeah. movie. And made six figures for it. Yeah, I, she deserves it. She's Catwoman, goddammit. <laughs> yeah, I didn't make that connection with her second superhero film. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if DC feels like really slighted by the, yeah, the I, big get of Michelle Pfeiffer. DC's got its own problems right now that I need to hammer out. Yeah, we'll talk about DC's problems a different time. You know what? We should do a podcast where we just talk about the problems with DC. I'm sure everyone would love it because it hasn't been talked about ad nauseum, even on our own podcast. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Um, but I liked that. And then I really, really enjoyed the uh, the first scene with the cutest boy in town, Paul Rudd. Uh, crawling through uh, what appears to be uh, some sort of a heist that he's about to be pulling off. And then you get the big reveal and he kind of moves to the side and he's playing in his house with his daughter and they're acting like they're doing a big heist. Yeah. It was, Totes cute. Which that was also like a bit of a rehash of the first film, but that I thought was a really clever way uh, to rehash the first film. Uh, we even got a call back to Anthony uh, RIP from the first Ant-Man. Yeah. RIP Anthony. You're the, you're the real MVP. But was there a moment when watching the film that the film really clicked for you? I mean, obviously you were on board. It's a Marvel film. You're going to go see it no matter what. And I mean, 99 times out of 100, you're going to enjoy it. But was there a certain moment where you're like, okay, they've done it again. They've pulled it off. I can't believe it. Kevin Feige, just never die. Um, I mean, when I saw the Marvel flipping through on the opening <laughs> credits... I honestly felt that way. And I mean, Kevin Feige is just a fucking brilliant, brilliant man. We can suck his dick all day, but I just kind of want to, we're talking about this movie and you're right that Marvel did it again. But I think the moment when I, I really realized that was, I was like, Oh, they've got a really cool villain here. Like it's nothing that's super big. Um, and they never make it feel larger than life, which is a problem with the film. But I love the villain. I think the villain is yeah. so cool. Uh, so you can just kind of phase through everything. Uh, and not get hit by punches or bullets. Yeah, the character me. is Ava, uh, the comic book character Ghost, uh, which is traditionally has been an Iron Man and a Spider-Man villain more recently. Uh, never really tangled with Ant-Man as far as I know, but I do think you're right. I think her power set was a great addition to the shrinking and growing uh, powers of Ant-Man and the Wasp. And, well, I mean, we'll go and just talk about Ava in general. Uh this was another great villain, I thought. Not obviously strong stance, but stronger than a lot of villains in the Marvel Universe because they were another tragic character. And not in the sense that their goal was just that they wanted to live. Which yeah. there's there's few more understandable goals than that. That they were weeks away from dying and they just wanted to keep on living after living a horribly tragic life. I was actually I was just kind of lead, like bearing the lead here. I was actually talking about uh, the Walton Goggins character, Sonny Birch. Yeah. My Which is weird Lord. because she said that they could phase through a wall and punch. I think you might have been on something when you saw the film. Uh, I plead the fifth. Uh, Walton Goggins is one of the best villains of all time. Walton Goggins is amazing. I've loved him in everything I've seen. Like when I, Even when he sold every scene on the Shield back when he was on that show. But if he, you haven't seen Vice Principals uh, on yeah. HBO, it's just a short two-season run. But he is absolutely amazing in that. Uh, and more recently, oh, I, I guess about the same time, um, but more recently than The Shield, uh, 
great little film by a pretty unknown director, uh, Quentin Tarantino, called The Hateful Eight. Fucking steals that movie. Yeah, he's fantastic. Him and Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fucking perfection. Yeah, I was really glad that Walton Goggins got a chance uh, to join the Marvel Universe playing Tony Birch, which again, another traditional Iron Man villain as well, too. Not a major one or anything. But since Amy doesn't have the best rogues gallery, it makes sense to pull from other uh, superheroes rogues. I just want this guy in every Marvel movie as the bad guy. He'll just be a different <laughs> bad guy in every movie. But I just need him. And what was really, really cool about this movie is how they balanced two villains at once. So they weren't just like, all right, here's we're going to be really formulaic. We're going to have one villain go for this uh, this property at once. And then they're going to defeat this villain. And then we're going to bring the other bigger villain in. No, it was a constant two guys, like two separate entities vying for the same thing that Ant-Man and the Wasp were vying for. And arguably there were even more attacks in the film than that. Because there was also Goliath, played by Lawrence Fishburne, who is revealed as working with Ava. And was part of Hank, Scott, uh, and Hope all being kidnapped and tied up. But I thought, I was like, oh, of course you betrayed him. Which I was kind of annoyed about. I thought that was a Wonder War reveal where he was just trying to help Ava live because he was with her from the beginning of her tragedy. Yeah. And at one point, uh, Ava tried, Ava threatens that he's going to do something to Scott's daughter. And Goliath tells her if she does, if he shows that he's not going to help her anymore. And that wasn't a scene what had Hank or Scott in it. Just a scene between those two. I thought it was a great scene to include to show that he had a moral code, even though he and Hank hated one another. He still cared for him and wasn't. He hadn't gone evil. He, he even though he took some roads that maybe a little dark. It was just to try and help and save someone that he cared for. Against my better judgment, I also really liked that. Um, usually, I'm like, oh man, I really, really want them to go after these kids and to make it, you know, make there some heavy weight on the table. Yeah. Uh, it it brings a lot more to story sometimes when that weight is really there. Like, oh shit, they're going to kill these fucking kids. Like, that's like one of the worst things that you can do. Yeah. So to have that off the table entirely was very different, but the way they did it was great. Yeah, it was a little, it was a little I mean, that. Usually I'm like, let's go yeah. kill those kids. Come on, let's do it. And that story mode has been played out and it's a little bit cliche. So it's nice for them, like Matthew, to just take it off the table right away, but not have the stakes be lowered at all because there was still a ticking clock of Scott was on parole and he was days away from his parole being up. And it was S.H.I.E.L.D. who put him on parole. So it was, he had to be back in his house by a certain amount of time in order to basically not be thrown back in jail again. Which, big important detail. When we last saw Man Civil War, he was thrown in jail with Ant-Man and the rest. Uh, but they do mention that he's out of prison uh, through a plea agreement. Basically, he was on parole for three years. See, here's the thing is, I disagree entirely with what you just said. I think that the fact that they took the death of a, the one thing in Scott's life that he cares about more than anything. That was the deal breaker. Like there's no more weight in this for me. Like there's no more skin in the game. I'm merely just watching this for fun. If he gets thrown back in jail, I know he'll come back out in Avengers four. Like they're going to unwind this. Everything's going to be okay. My worry or my fear is not there that his daughter's going to die. Like I was hands free clean. I was like, all right, let's just enjoy the rest of the film. The weight is off the table. I think they do a great job with Scott. Uh, and a lot of it is largely probably due to Paul Rudd's acting uh, itself. But they just make Scott just a character that just wants to help people. Like, not in the sense that, like, Captain America is always in the 
always in the fight for justice uh, in the battle to end tyranny. Scott's just a nice guy and he wants to help people, even if it puts him in conflict with anyone else. He just wants to try and help as many people as he can, no matter how much that may be a struggle uh, or how much it may pull him thin when trying to help others or create conflict there. Yeah, uh, 100% agree. Um, tell me something that you don't like about this movie. You've been, uh, you've been really, really soft on it so far, so I want to kind of get into the meat and the meat and taters of this whole thing. I don't want to like. I'm not going to like spoil this part. We'll talk about it later. But this film has two uh, after credit scenes. The second after credit scene, I just wasn't a fan of. It, to me, it didn't really it's add anything. Yeah. yeah, I thought it might have been possibly the worst after credit scene in Marvel film. So yeah. So I generally think that the after credit scenes are for the most part pointless, but. I don't know. They, they don't always lead to the next film. Which one of them sort of does? One of them ties up a big loose end. We'll, yeah. we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. Yeah. Um, obviously, like the first Ant-Man film, this film uh, relies on comedy a lot, which I think pulls it off uh, throughout it. Yeah. What, what, are the, what are some of your favorite moments? Of the, the comedy variety? Yeah. I was actually in a Monday afternoon crowd uh, in IMAX and... I mean, I feel like there's about a hundred people there. I felt like I was the only person laughing. Like I was like, these people just are not getting these jokes. Like it's going over their heads because there's not like a huge open. I don't know why. Audience. I always feel like matinee crowds just tend to laugh less at films. Yeah, they really are yeah. just like they're just there for the for the delicious popcorn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to get that sweet, sweet corn. Yeah. Um, but as far as like the funny parts, like the big reveal right at the beginning cracked me up super hard where he was breaking into the, yeah, that was, that was excellent. And every part with Luis is fantastic. The Luis, the running joke about the truth serum was yeah. fantastic. It was great until the very end when the guy was like, it is truth serum. I hated his own corny joke. I hated it. But the, the running joke the yeah. rest of the time, the truth serum thing, fucking top notch. Great. Uh, I'll also love too with uh, the security company was the one henchman, not henchman, but the one employee uh, who thought that ghost was the Baba Yaga, uh, the, the Eastern European folklore, which if you, I mean, obviously Baba Yaga is pretty much a thing, but if you read Hellboy, uh, Baba Yaga is a central character in a lot of the Hellboy stories too as well. Baba Yaga is extremely popular in the Fables series as well. Yeah. Baba Yaga is everywhere. Yeah. Somebody needs to make yeah. a Baba Yaga movie. Yeah. That, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Universal probably owns the rights to Baba Yaga, and they'll throw one up eventually. Uh, that would be sweet to see Hellboy versus Baba Yaga in this new movie. Yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed... Uh, I loved the line where Scott, Hank, and Hope are all uh, on the run, and they're wearing sunglasses and hats. And Scott's talking about what a stupid disguise that is. He's like... It, it, it looks like they're at a baseball game, which is also hilarious too, because a lot of times in the cap films, when caps in disguise, he's wearing a baseball hat and sunglasses. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, we, we look like ourselves wearing hats and sunglasses. <laughs> so that was a nice, uh, little stab at, uh, uh, a gentle stab at other Marvel films. Yeah. It was a good little dig. Yeah. Like it was, yeah. it wasn't harmful. It was, it was funny, but it wasn't directly pointed at anything, which you know what? This is a good Marvel film. That could here's here's one of my big gripes is you can take digs like you've got the character you can really dig in and like get a little a little side punching on some of these other people 
Because you've this is the movie to do it in. It's the lightest of them all. They more made fun of like Scott in that regard. Like when Scott's like yeah. Captain America, and he calls him Cap, and he's like, he's like, oh Cap, huh? Like you know, yeah. like oh, oh, like they're good buddies. Uh, that was very funny. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Angeline Lilly is great actress. Comedic timing's fine. So so whatever. The which I was kind of bummed they put this part in the trailer, but it's still great when Scott's suit malfunction whenever they're in the school, and he was like pint sized Ant Man. Excellent. Uh, that's a nice, clever gag. Uh, what? Not so much comedic, but I love, like, we didn't see a lot of actual usage of ants in the cell in the first one until the third act. And I, I thought that was a nice, like, I love that they saved it until then. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't overused or whatever hinted. We see Hank and Hope using ants to help build their machine to go into the microverse to help save Janet. But as far as, like, Scott using ants on a high screen thing, we hadn't seen that yet. And it was per- put to perfect use to help break Hope and... Hank out of shield custody. Uh, quick question. What was your favorite bit of action from this movie? Because we typically don't talk about action sequences a whole lot. We kind of say there was fighting and it was cool, man. Uh, but what do you think was your favorite action sequence from this film? Uh, my, my favorite action is probably the first one we see actually with Wolf with hope in the kitchen fighting Walton Goggins goons. Uh-huh. Uh, whenever she tries to get the part she needs after they run from her, and she's flying through chandeliers, using her blasters, embiggenings, salt shakers, uh, dodging mallets and knives. Like I thought that was a nice touch, and it was a it was an awesome introduction to Wasp herself too. And then also yeah. to see we see Ghost come in that same sequence, and then we see Scott suit up for the first time in the film. Uh, I liked the car chase bit at the end. Personally, uh, I liked when they were shrinking and beginning and a lot of fun and then the Luis cars. getting opening the hot wheels case yeah uh, and getting his own car too really uh, cool. there's a scene i want to say it's the beginning one um where it just looks like a super intense driving thing and then it zooms out and they're fucking tiny and they're like dodging bricks and stuff cracked me up but yeah i, I liked how they had the micro machines essentially like suitcase of of all these cars that they could just big up and then they were cool ready to go I really enjoyed too. There was a good amount of comic references. Uh, and this one, aside from the obvious, like Ghost being a character from the comic, Walton Gordon character, Sonny Birch being from the comics, but uh, Scott's friends from the first Ant Man all start a security company called XCon Security Company, uh, which is basically it. That happens in Nick Spencer's excellent run on Ant Man uh, in the comics, where Ant Man moves to Miami and starts a security company. Uh, called Ant-Man Security Solutions because he's under the guise because he's an ex-con so he knows exactly what it takes to break in. Uh, only that started with uh, Grizzly and Machine Smith, uh, if I remember correctly. So they didn't pull up other villains to join with them, but I like that they pulled that element from the comics. Nice little throwback to Ava's father. The experiment uh, shares the same name with the comic book villain Egghead, which is an Ant-Man villain. And he's basically a man that has an egg-shaped head, so he's not the most threatening Villain on there. It was a nice callback to a classic Ant-Man villain, too. That's neat. I like how they throw those kind of nuggets in for you fucking nerds. Yeah, exactly. That That's what we thrive on. That That's what sustains us until the next film or TV show comes. Uh, if you're not into Paul Rudd 100% of the time, I'm not about you and we're not friends. Yeah. I've only never seen anybody who's ever turned down seeing a Paul Rudd uh, film. Yeah, it could be anything that Paul Rudd does. Uh, you could just take a shit and I'd pay like 20 bucks to go watch it. I remember scenes in Delocated where oh, he yeah. died right away. Yeah, yeah. That was fucking great. And they list off all of his film credits that, that, that he's great in. Spoiler, it's everything he's ever been in. Yeah, uh, speaking of Paul Rudd and talking about just Paul Rudd in general, 
Uh, I've got a little game for Alex today, everybody. Um, I think this is a good little um, break for it. Uh, so in this film, Paul Rudd is absolutely cuting around with his absolutely adorable daughter. The two cutest things on the world are Paul Rudd being a dad and this little girl. So um, I've got a list of things and I'm trying to decide if Alex thinks something is going to be cuter than Paul Rudd uh, being a dad. So when you're ready, Alex, I'll start asking the questions. Are you ready for this? I don't know if we'll have to be ready for it, but I'll, I'll give it my best. Uh, that is the Are there any prizes? Just like a $100,000 pyramid. Oh, my God. There are so many prizes. I all these games. I just walk out empty-handed every time. I'm not sure if I've won or lost every time. Uh, we're going to start having prizes. You know what? Uh, we should start having votes. And the winner, uh, if you win, I'll buy you something. I'll buy you a trade. <laughs> and then if you win, uh, you just get to be sad and I'll be happy about it. Perfect. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we're going to start with a softball here. What's cuter? Uh, Paul Rudd or Taylor Swift? Paul Rudd, I feel like you just love freaking up Taylor Swift. You can. Any chance you get. Yeah, she's a, she's a terrible troll person. This was an easy one. This is a softball for you. No one's going to argue that. No, no, not not for a second. Um, okay. Paul Rudd being a dad or Porgs from Star Wars. Uh, still Paul Rudd because Porgs are just a space version of Pugs. And I'll take a Pug over a weird bug-eyed version many times. Porgs are the chicken of the Star Wars universe. I could not have said it better my fucking self. Okay, what's cuter? Paul Rudd or Baby Groot? It's still Baby Groot, because Baby Groot's got dance moves. Uh, you're fucking wrong. Paul Rudd makes Baby Groot look like Danny DeVito's fucking feet. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, Paul Rudd or a cute baby sloth? Uh, Paul Rudd. I, I don't think I've ever seen a baby sloth. They're adorable, no. but compared to Paul Rudd, they look like a hot garbage bag full of cat shit. Wow. Yeah, I mean... You should never be a zookeeper. Yeah, you lost because technically I only asked you four and you got one wrong, so 75% is not passing in my grading scale. Oh, that's cool. You should, also, you should also not be an educator either. <laughs> it's passing in every form of education, but Matt's form of education. It's uh, it's not the school of hard knocks. I'll tell you that much. Uh, who's cuter? That's definitely a school of hard knocks game. <laughs> what do you think they were playing on the wire all the time? That's that's actually my favorite scene from the wire <laughs> is when Omar finally sits down with McNulty and they play <laughs> who's cuter than Paul Rudd being a dad. Yeah, and Paul Rudd won every time. Um, let's go ahead and actually jump to the first closing credit scene. Uh, oh, you want to go to the end of the movie. Yeah, or, the end of yeah. the movie. So, throughout this film, we really don't know if this takes place pre or post-snap. We can assume it takes place pre-snap. The world hasn't spun into mass hysteria. If everything got back to normal that soon. Yeah, I would yeah. honestly say it very clearly takes place pre-snap. Just because, uh, like, you would think it would be at fucking everywhere. But in uh, in the post-credit scene, we see Janet, who's been rescued, uh with Hank and Hope uh, prepping Scott uh, to go to the microverse to gather the particles they need to help save Ava's life. Yep. Uh, so they go in. Uh, they, again, warn Scott not to be in there too long because, you know, it's dangerous in the microverse. And Scott's in there. He gives what they need. And then all of a sudden, we see all three of their bodies uh, turn to dust because that's when the snap happens. And we lose Hank, Janet, 
and Hope and Scott's stuck in the microverse, which is terrifying. Like that was for such a lighthearted fun film. That was such a dark uh, ending. Yeah, it doesn't get much darker than just being fucking trapped. Like they could honestly be like, "Yeah, Ant Man just fucking died in the microverse." Yeah, and it makes me like I want Ant Man to be in the next Avengers film, and like it makes me wonder if he is, and if he's not, like it gives their reason why. Yeah. But and imagine too if there's just no more Ant Man films. Yeah, like that was the last <laughs> yeah. one we got. Like, I mean, I'd be happy with it. Like, that, I don't need like six Ant Man films. You to would, make you'd me be happy. happy with that loose end that they're like. Yeah, I'd be fine. If with Marvel's it. made like twenty more films, that's never mentioned Ant Man ever again. No, no, no. Here's what happens: is obviously in Infinity War, uh, Avengers four, they somehow reverse the snap. Everybody who is snapped to death comes back to life. Obviously, they're going to make more Black Panther. This is going to happen in my mind, anyways. Like, maybe they're all dead, but. If it does happen and they all come back yep. to life, I think he's too far gone. You can't find him. That's a good thing because even it. if they make your your point, if they make a new one, another, and he's not in Avengers, they have to resolve that storyline somehow yeah. of him being stuck in the microverse for X amount of time. Because, like Matt said, most likely they're going to bring most everyone back uh, or save most save the world population in the next Avengers film. But we don't know how much time is going to pass between that and post map because Thanos is off world. It's not like they Avengers going to open with uh, somebody rip with rocket r- r- ripping off the glove and then doing whatever the opposite of a snap is. What's the opposite yeah. of a snap? Uh, clap. <laughs> no, it's it's actually taking your hands apart uh, <laughs> like you would from a clap. Okay, silently. Um, this is kind of so. I want to keep talking about Ant Man for a minute. But before we end today, I want to talk a little bit more about Avengers and kind of the consequences and what's going to go forward. Because thinking about it, we're not going to have a chance to talk about Avengers until Captain Marvel next March. Which we haven't even got a trailer for yet. We don't even have a trailer for It's such for. a weird time. Usually, like, we always have, like, a trailer for the next Marvel movie. Yeah. Uh, before, uh, before even the next one comes out. You know something we should do? Um, I think as a bonus episode next week. Um, if it's over, I don't know what the dates it runs. But we should kind of talk about San Diego Comic-Con. As yep. a as an episode, we're not going or anything, but like yeah. we should kind of talk about Some it. Bad idea. We'll see what they record next week. Yeah, we might we might put out a couple episodes next week. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. Maybe fuck you. Um, <laughs> but I'd like to talk about uh, Avengers. Let's. I want to wrap up Ant Man, but I want to <laughs> talk about Avengers again too. You want to? Which one do you want to do first? Uh, I want to finish wrapping up Ant Man first. Okay. So I want to get more of your dislikes from this movie. Because I I know that you liked a lot of it, but I know that you've got some gripes, and I've got some gripes too. I mean, really, I don't have a lot. Like I said, like that second and closing, which which we didn't talk about the second and closing scene, but now we can. It's basically one of the ants playing uh, drums and Scott's home, uh, and we see the emergency broadcast signal on the TV. But that's really it. And I guess they did that uh, just to make a thing a little bit less dark. Oh, but for the, whenever I saw Ant Man in theaters um, after that first. Um, opening credit scene. There was a boy watching the film with, I assume, with his mother, and he goes, "That was the ending. That's awful!" And just shouted that yeah. in the entire theater. Yeah, th- I th- feel th- you, brother. That's kind of ending that like breaks your heart when you're that age. You know what? I think they meant to do these uh, ending credit scenes uh, in reverse order. <laughs> <laughs> like that would make so much more sense. Yeah, you're like, oh, this is fun. Like you got a happy little ant yeah. playing some Guitar Hero shit. And then like, oh, emergency broadcast. What's that? <laughs> Let's stick around and find out. And then they disappear? Way better. My biggest gripe is that we didn't get more screen time with Randall Park's character, Agent Wu. 
Oh my uh, god, I loved Age of Oh my god, I can't believe we haven't talked yeah. about him at all. He's so he good. Was amazing. He's so funny. He he steals much like Luis in the first Ant Man. He steals a scene in every scene he's in in this yeah. one. Watching him practice close up magic in his office was, was fantastic. Being embarrassed by it whenever uh, he says like I'll see you around. So it's like see you where? And he's like. Oh, I thought maybe you're like Ethan Anthony. He's like, well, no, but like if you, but if you want, like, are you? I am free tonight. <laughs> Asian Jim is hysterical. Randall Park is a fucking national treasure, and I would watch a movie, a standalone film about him being an FBI agent. Yeah, that's another Marvel character. Uh, it's been around for a bit. Most recently in the comic Agents of Atlas. So if you're interested in the character, you can read that. Even though he's not, really? even though he's not much like his film counterpart. But yes, he, he needs to make a return. In the next Ant-Man film, or be the hero of the next Avengers film. He's a lovable fucking goofball. I love that guy. Yeah. So here's something I have a big gripe with. Um, you have just come off of Avengers Infinity War. You can't have much of a soundtrack for Avengers Infinity War. You and I have talked about music and the role in film that it's played uh, a lot lately. Black Panther, you got yeah. a Kendrick Lamar soundtrack. Fucking excellent. In what? Ant-Man, you have jack fucking shit. And it drives me up a goddamn wall. I mean, in the trailer, they played notes from an Adam Ant song, so we got that going for us. Give me an alien ant farm too. I don't give a shit. Like, give me <laughs> that, that would amazing if they just played alien ant farm and Adam Ant and no one else on the entire film. <laughs> if we just heard smooth criminal five times throughout it, but never when they're committing crimes. <laughs> I just want to see them like tripping over their own feet uh, to smooth criminal. Uh, I love that song. Anywho, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Uh, I thought this movie could have benefited from a fun soundtrack. So what would have been the first song you would put on there? Um, as she's dying, uh, I throw it back to um, I only want Savage Garden songs. So we're starting with Truly Madly Deeply, baby. Of course. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. <laughs> like, what else would yeah. we do? Of course we're putting... I mean, you, you and I are on the same length right now. <laughs> uh, Follow-up. Even though it's, we mentioned the song before, it's, I mean, probably the greatest song of all time. As soon as Scott's uh, left alone in the microverse and we see the dust of everyone falling from the ground, boom, sack solo, careless whipper happens. And then we oh see Scott, second microverse, not speaking, as... Carol Swisper plays out in its entire five minute entirety and then credits. <laughs> that could not be more perfect. That I think you've just written the best film of all yeah. time. I think so. Yeah. Uh, wrap it up, uh, world. Yeah. We could all die happy because Alex just wrote the best ending to a movie ever. Uh, also, Fuck you, Casablanca. One thing we didn't talk about that I know I'm sure you loved is how'd you enjoy Tim Heidecker's cameo in the film? I wished it was longer. I thought it was. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, it's Tim. Like, we're about to have the funniest moment. And it was just, uh. It was because the guy he does on scene with, I can't remember the actor's name, uh, the podcast and TV show, wasn't the first Ant Man. He always gives Tim crap about it. So now it's it's time for Tim to even the tables. Uh, So he went and got himself a minor speaking role with zero jokes. Uh, Yeah, but just Tim's, any, any way he delivers the line, it just makes me laugh no matter what. Uh, you expect it, and like my my grin was gigantic, and like I cannot tell you the disappointment I had when there were no jokes from Tim Heidecker. Well, I guess that was that your biggest gripe. That is my biggest gripe of all. 
uh, from Tim from Tim, Tim and Eric. Those of you who are like, who the fuck is Tim Heidecker? I've never heard of this asshole. Okay. So what do you want to talk about with Avengers? Oh, my God. I mean, obviously, we have three major characters dying uh, as a part of this snap. We've got this dude left in Lurch. Like, now where does Avengers go? Like, obviously, Ant-Man's going to be a part of this shit. Do you think Hawkeye's going to be a part of this shit? Like, yes, uh, I think Hawkeye's going to be. Because, I mean, you kill off half your cast. So you just saved a lot of money right there. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm sure they'll bring. I'm sure Hawkeye will be. Uh, I'd love for Ant-Man to be. And as far as anyone else that they've left out, obviously, can't be Wasp anymore. Uh, yeah, fuck that. Yeah, I really don't know if I want them to introduce any new Marvel characters in this next one. We're going to have Captain Marvel 2. How do you feel about if they introduce a new character? In Captain Marvel? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, put him in Put him in Infinity War. They Why can not? introduce Nova in there because we're already in space. The Nova Corps yeah, have sure. been around. Uh, they were esta- loosely established in the first Guardians film. So they might they can introduce uh, Richard Ryder uh, or really or Sam Alexander or... Jesse Alexander, or really any of the Nova Corps that have been around for a while. So I'm going to have you tell me, like, teach me a little bit here because I don't really know. Um, so Captain Marvel set in the 90s, correct? Correct. Uh, does Captain Marvel age at all? Uh, it's not really, I mean, it's hard to establish, like, in the comics. It's not really been established all that much, okay. uh, especially because Captain Marvel, the character's undergone a resurgence because she was Miss Marvel for the longest time. And then they rebranded her as Captain Marvel. Uh, and that's where she regained a lot of her popularity. Okay. Uh, but she essentially has the powers of the Kree. She was gifted to it by a guy named a Kree uh, fighter named Marvel, which is why she took the name Miss Marvel uh, in the first place in Captain Marvel. I'm sure we'll probably hear all yeah, about that. Yeah, that's who uh, Jude Law is playing in the film. Oh, uh, I believe. no shit. Yeah. Cool. So I- I'm sure they'll establish where she doesn't age or ages slower. Okay, so. cool. Yeah, I was like, I really don't want to see like an aged Brie Larson in the Avengers. Yeah. That's that was yeah, my it, roundabout be weird way of getting with there. like how they do all Marvel with their excellent like de aging like uh, yeah. software work, like we've seen in both Ant Man films, like we saw with Robert Downey Jr. as well. But they're like, you know what we can do? Let's do the opposite. <laughs> Let's age Brie Larson thirty years. That'd be great. Uh, that's kind of what I was trying to get at. Like, where do you think we're going to to go? Like. Like if you were to we're guess, we're going to like, go to space. Oh, oh, hats yeah, fucking yeah. off to you. Rats off to you. Yeah, thank you. Hashtag Tim Heidecker references. Uh, Tim and Eric go to the mayor, or Tom goes to the mayor. Whatever that show is. Yeah, we're actually we're just gonna go to space. We're gonna see the Watcher and just hang out uh, with the Watcher and just, and just see what Thanos is doing. It's gonna be like a two-hour reality show, <laughs> and then they'll announce Avengers Five. We'll never see that coming. Excellent, perfect. Um, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, Alex is being an asshole to me and he's just holding up his finger as if he was, uh, just trying to insult me here. Preparing for a war. <laughs> it's a battle. It is. Um, I think in this next film, um, there's not going to be any Ant-Man. That's my bold take. Yeah. We're going to have no, I hope you're wrong. In, in Avengers. Uh, uh, there's a good chance you're right. Cause I mean, I really see. Tony being the only person that could get him out of the microverse right now. Uh, I but, but Tony's off planet right now, too. So Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I honestly wouldn't be shocked if we didn't get any Hawkeye either. Actually, I mean, the... Actually, have the have the photos shown Hawkeye in them? There, There's been photos of 
Hawkeye in like the, the Ronin costume. So I assume uh, that's that's what they're doing. How amazing would it be if that was just like a big front and then Hawkeye's not even in the movie? How amazing would it be if it was just Jeremy Renner just dressing up at home like that's just <laughs> just candid photos of him? It's just it's a actual cameo of Jamie, Jeremy Renner playing himself, <laughs> not as Hawkeye. Be really meta for, for, for Marvel. Uh, they're like Deadpool's been a big hit. We're not going to go the rated R, but let's try and squeeze some meta yeah, references. We're going to throw in this dope Jeremy Renner joke. They're like, but they're like Kevin, but like you guys have been um, a much much bigger hit, arguably the biggest hit of all time. He's like, yeah, but still, he's like, fuck you guys. I'll so, do whatever I want. I'm in the loss. What do you rate this on a scale of one to ten? Uh, I'll give it an eight. Yeah, uh, I agree. It's I think it's too one of those films. To where it's like that rewatchable film where if you're scrolling through just cable channels and you see it pop up on there that, that you'll sit and watch it until the next commercial break too. Yeah. It's and, not heavy loaded with jokes. You're not going to get a bunch of cool fucking music. But visually but it's really great too, which we don't talk about. It's fantastic visually. Um, it's a solid film. You've got uh, a lot of tropes that go out the window. So you've got an interesting film in and of itself. Great villain uh, yeah, as well. Taking the situation. Yeah. And once again, like we always talk about, great casting by Marvel uh, with Goliath, Ava, Agent Wu, and Sony Birch as well, Walton Goggins. There you go. Yeah. So they, I mean, I don't know. It, it's weird. Like, I almost want them just to cast someone terribly. So I can be like, that was awful. But yeah. it hasn't happened yet. Nope, not yet. Um, yeah. But anyway, I think that about wraps it up for this week's Henchman of Comics. Next week, we'll be talking about all the new number ones that have been coming out the past couple weeks. Uh, as always, you can email us at henchmanofcomics at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter, MySpace, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Zanga. Our Zanga is fantastic. Our, we got the best Zanga yeah. around. Uh, please make sure you uh, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, click that download button as well. For the Henchman of Comics, I'm Alex Eschbeck. And I am way drunker than all of you fuckers. Henchman ain't easy. <laughs>